Praise God. Joshua chapter 1, or chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read this entire passage, but just to give you a little bit of background of what's happening. And today, the title of this message is How Praise Wins the Battle. How Praise Wins the Battle. We know that Scripture tells us that we need to praise God. We know that Scripture also encourages us to worship the Lord. We know that we should do that. And yet, there are times where we don't really understand the effects and the power that there is in our praise. Obviously, we understand that praise is not something that we can do apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior... You can shrug it off today and say, I don't need that. Or you can say, Lord, there's somebody greater than this preacher talking to me right now who might be talking to my heart, and it's the Holy Spirit. And we cannot reject what the Holy Spirit says to our hearts. The more we do that, the more we run the risk of a dangerous situation of having a hard heart. The only one who can break the hard heart is going to be God. But today, the Bible lets us know that praise is vitally important. There are varying definitions of praise in Scripture. One is a psalm. We look at the psalms in Scripture that have been written. A psalm is nothing more than a song. We have had singing here today, praising the Lord all the while. That is a form of praise. (coughs) Confession is also a form of praise. Believe it or not, confessing to the Lord, not confessing to one another. We don't necessarily need to to put all our laundry out for everybody to see. But coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I confess my sin to you. I confess my need for you. I confess that I'm dependent upon you. That is a form of praise. Thanksgiving is a form of praise. When we give thanks to the Lord, when we're thankful, when we say, Lord, we thank you for what you have given to us. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Thanksgiving is a form of praise. To stretch out our hands is also a form of praise. This is why in our meetings you'll, you'll find from time to time people will lift their hands and they'll praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong or out of the order in doing that. Sometimes we'll clap our hands to a song that's a little faster. We clap our hands because that also is a form of praise. Playing the instruments, they're forms of praise. Those who are talented to be able to do it and and have learned how to do it, that is a form of praise. Praising God has to happen in our lives as believers. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then I want to encourage you today that before we leave this place, that you will lift your voice one more time in this building and praise the name of the Lord because there is something powerful and wonderful that takes place in praise. We can't really see what might be taking place in front of our eyes, but something will begin to happen as we praise God in spite of what we're going through, in spite of our problems, our difficulties, our circumstances, When you praise the name of the Lord, great and mighty things can begin to happen. And that's exactly what took place on this particular day. But how does it happen 
that praise can actually help to win the battle. Well, if we look at some of the important passages related to praise and battles in Scripture, we will find how it happens. I want to take us now to the signs of praise. And it was the people at Jericho. I'll start reading at verse 1. And the Bible says this. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came, or no one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings, king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry uh, trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times when the pre- with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man, straight in. And then a little later on, the Bible lets us know that after God gave the instruction to Joshua, that they did exactly what God had instructed them to do. And here's one of the things that we have to remember about praise. When we come into the house of the Lord, you might have dragged yourself here this morning. Maybe you came in and you felt a little bit tired. I know Lynette came in not feeling well. I know that there are others who might have come in, and maybe you didn't feel all that great either. You woke up this morning, and I get, you know, a lot, somebody once asked a preacher, he said, you know, what do you feel when you stand up or wake up in the morning? I mean, you just, you know, you're a man of God. You, you just, you, you know, do you feel like this surge of strength and grace going through your body? I mean, what is it? He said, I wake up in the morning and I feel sleepy. I got to tell you, I was that, that preacher this morning. I woke up this morning and I felt sleepy. I, I hit, the, uh, hit the alarm. I wanted to get back in bed, just roll right over, go right back to sleep, if, if the truth be known. But you know what? When we come into the presence of the Lord and you might have dragged yourself into the building and say, I don't feel like praising. Nobody really knows the trouble that I'm going through right now. Nobody understands how I feel right now. But you know what? When we begin to praise and when we begin to worship, we are acting in obedience to the Word of God. You see, God told the people of Israel on this particular day, He said, listen, you're going to march around the city once for six days. And on that last day, you're going to march around the city seven times. And when you hear the sound of that long blast of the priest blowing the trumpet, then I want you to shout. Now, for those who think shouting is out of order, you'll have to drag me out of here because I know I'm already doing that. But for those who think that shouting in a meeting is out of order, you have to listen to what the psalmist David said. He said, clap your hands, you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. That's what the people did on that day. Now God said to them, the walls are going to fall. They knew that the city of Jericho was built like no other city. They knew that this particular city, was the walls were so thick that Jericho, there was an air of pride about them, about 
how, how great their city was and how the inability of, of foreign armies to come in and take care of this particular city. They couldn't, get, they couldn't wipe them out. They couldn't do anything. And yet, all of a sudden, a little bit before the whole events begin to unfold, some spies, two spies go into the city. And they encounter this woman named Rahab. And Rahab fills them in and says, listen, everybody in the city is afraid of you. They're afraid of the people of Israel. Jericho was not one of those cities that had to be afraid of too many people. But they had heard about what God had done in the desert. What God was able to perform through his people. And brothers and sisters, all of a sudden now within the city, the people are shaking and they're quaking and they're a little little bit afraid of what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you imagine, you know, standing up on the wall and watching these people march around your city, and they're just marching around. We don't understand it today because we don't have walled cities. Let's just pretend that the city of Chicago has a wall around it. And you're standing up, you know, you're able to be up on the wall, and you're watching all the people from Milwaukee. Sorry, Johnny. All the people from Milwaukee, you know, just kind of come down, and they're marching around the city. And they're marching around Chicago. And you're standing there watching, what's wrong with these people? They're marching around the city. What do they think they're going to do? You think you really, you really think you can do anything just by marching around the city. They march around it and they go home. Six days, they keep doing it. They're in obedience to the Lord. They're obeying God every step of the way. This is what makes praise so powerful. When you obey God in your life and then you come in and you obey Him to praise and you obey Him to worship, then brothers and sisters, great and mighty things can begin to happen. And all of a sudden on that seventh day, everybody from Milwaukee begins to shout and the walls of Chicago just start coming down. I don't know, brothers and sisters, what took place on that day where the walls started crumbling. If it crumbled from the bottom, crumbled from the top. But nonetheless, it began to tumble and it began to fall down. Why? Because the people of God decided we were going to obey and we're going to shout at the top of our lungs and we're going to praise God no matter what the situation is. And on that day, God gave the ability to overcome that which was not able to be overcome before that. You and I can overcome the difficulty in our lives simply by obeying God to praise Him. See, the enemy wants to silence your praise on days where you're just, you know, you're down in the dumps. Nobody, nobody really can have a, a, an understanding of what you're feeling on the inside, but You don't feel right. You don't feel good. There's just too much going on in your life for you to take time to praise God. And yet, the Scripture lets us know that that these people, they obeyed God. And when they obeyed God and they shouted, the walls began to crumble. And the Bible lets us know that they went in and they had a great victory. So obedience is one of the ways in which praise will win the battle for you. There is also another way that is shown in this passage. You can take the time, read it, to read it later on down through to verse 21. We're not going to take the time to read it, but it is not only obedience, but it is oneness. What I mean by that is simply this, unity. The Bible indicates that they all shouted together. 
They all did it together. When the, whether they understood it then or not, we see the power, this, the, the power of being unified as they all shouted together. You imagine if nobody believed that they should shout except for two or three people. And we, historians estimate that the people of Israel at this time, might have, they might have numbered anywhere from 500,000 to 2 million. We don't know how many there were. And let's just say for the moment that it was just the fighting men who went out there, the armed soldiers who went out and were marching around the city. So you still have a few thousand men going out and marching around the city, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I got a sword in my hand, I got a spear in my hand, why in the world am I going to shout? I don't believe that's going to make any kind of difference. Why am I going to shout? Now, we understand that in, in times of warfare, especially then, there was what was called the battle cry. But even then, they said, I'm going to shout, and God said the walls are going to come down. You imagine if they had gone out there with a lack of faith, and all of a sudden they go to shout, and all you hear is the two little guys, you know, one, one down on the end, and the other guy down on the other end, and somebody over here go, ah! and they look around, and nobody's shouting. But you know what? The difference is they all got together. They all were in unity. They all praised God together. There was a oneness. There was a unity of purpose. There was a unity of obedience. They saw what God wanted to them to do. And they said, we're all going to participate. We're all going to be part of it. We're all going to have a hand in this thing. We are all going to give a shout. And the Bible lets us know they gave a great shout. And the walls began to tumble. Brothers and sisters, the Bible lets us know how blessed it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. We cannot come into the house of God with our own separate agendas and our own separate things. When, when it's time to praise, we need to learn how to drop the world and say, let me praise God. We need to learn how to drop whatever it is that we're going through and praise the name of the Lord and give our all to praising Him. No matter what you are feeling or going through, let there be a unity in the body of Christ when it comes to praise. And that will help praise to win the battle for whatever it is that you're going through. We come into the house of worship, we got to be unified, not only with the same desire, but the same effort to praise God. I realize there are times where you might come in and you might feel weak. You might feel tired from the week that you have had. Maybe it is that you're battling like some of you are. You're battling illnesses and you're battling sicknesses and things that are going on in your life. And yet, it seems as though the Bible does not exempt anybody from praising God. The Bible doesn't come along and say, well, you know, because you're going through this, then you don't, you don't need to praise God. Don't worry about it so much. No, you know what? Praise can help us to overcome some of this, this stuff that we're going through, even some of the physical pain. When you praise through the pain and when you go, get through all of that, God can come down and bring a blessing in your life. He can even touch you physically and bring healing in your body. God is able to do that, brothers and sisters. Do we serve a great big God or do we serve a small God? We serve a big God, a mighty God, a powerful God. God is able to do anything. 
abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. It was also, I want to move on to the sincere praise. Turn over to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, and you all know this is one of my favorites. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And as before, I'm not going to read the entire passage of Scripture. It's too lengthy. But I want you to get a sense of what was going on in the life of King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a king, unlike some of the other kings in the Old Testament. Some of the other kings, were, they were real pieces of work. I mean, some of these guys, you, you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't want to meet them in an alley. Uh, they, they were evil. They were sinful. They had, there was nothing good about them. Jehoshaphat was one of those kings who was the opposite. He was a man of God. He loved God. He sought after God. He obeyed the law of God when all the Israelites were lifting, you know, they were, they were lifting their idols and worshiping idols. He went out. He tore them all down. He got rid of them. He just said, I, I am not, uh, I, we're not going to put up with this nonsense. He was a man of God. And the Bible lets us know this. It says this, starting at chapter 20 and verse 1. After this. That after this is very important because the after this indicates it was after Jehoshaphat had been trying to make things right in Israel. He had been trying to make things right in the land. And even after he had done things right, here's what happened. The Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Munites, or the Syrians, or, uh, came and, uh, to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the sea, it is already in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi, alarmed... Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek Him. Now, there are times in your life where sincere faith, uh, praise <coughs> challenges your faith. <coughs> it challenges the belief and the trust that you have in God. The people of Israel and, and Jehoshaphat got together in that moment and, and all the people came from all the towns and they fasted and they prayed. They called upon the name of the Lord and the Bible lets us know that they got a word from the Lord. They heard from God on that day. It's vitally important for us in our meetings to hear from God. It's vitally important when we come together that we're not just sitting here doing our own thing, that we are here to meet with God, to hear from the Lord. And so on this particular day, they get together, they pray, and they hear the word of the Lord, not to be afraid, don't be dismayed, don't allow this thing that's happening right now to, to steer you off course. And so what happens? The Bible lets us know that he appointed those who would go out ahead of the army. This is another situation where there's an army involved and there are fighting men involved, except this time Jehoshaphat does something that defies logic. He puts all the singers out in front of the guys with the swords. Now, for those of us who have just read just a tiny bit of world history, 
You don't ever put anybody who can sing out in front of somebody who has a sword. Because there are swords coming at them. That's like saying, go ahead, singers, die first. You, put, you don't put them out in front of the army, and yet the Bible lets us know that he said, I want those who know how to sing, those who know, who know how to praise, those who know how to worship, you're going to walk out ahead of the army. You are going to be the first ones to lead the battle. The Bible doesn't record for us any conversation or anybody who said, ah, not me. Oh, no, 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 thank you. I'm not going to do that. It doesn't record that. It indicates they all obeyed. Like the people of Israel, they said, let's go. And the Bible lets us know that they went out and they began to sing. They went out toward this army. This army was coming at them. There were three armies from three different little nations that were around them that were coming against the tiny little nation of Judah. And all of a sudden, they begin to hear a little bit of singing. They begin to hear a little bit of praise. They begin to hear how great God is, how merciful it is. He is, how, how loving God is. And all of a sudden, they get out there and they're like, what in the world is going on? What's that noise? I can't understand it. And the Bible lets us know that as they do, all of a sudden, the three armies turn on each other. And they begin to destroy one another. The guys who had an alliance to come out there together are now turning on each other. Why? Because the people of God said, here's what we're going to do. In the face of a challenge to my faith, I am still going to praise God. And you know what praise does? It removes the human element out of the situation. It allows God to do as He desires in your situation. What we have to learn to do more and more of is praising God, worshiping God, and lifting our voices to the Lord in spite of what it is that we're dealing with. When the human element is removed from your situation, the presence of God can be ushered in and make a difference. And that's exactly what took place. They praised God and the more they praised the more confused the other army got. They praised the Lord and the other armies. All of a sudden, they're taking care of each other. You imagine the guys in, in Judah, they're sitting back there with their swords, and they're not having to do a thing. They're saying, sing louder. That's all they're saying. Go ahead, praise. Praise God. Praise Him for all that He's done. And as they praise, something changes. You say, here's what it does. Sincere praise changes your focus. It changes what you look at. Praise wins the battle because your eyes no longer are filled with the sight of the enemy, but with the sight of the Lord, with how great God is. It's no longer filled with whatever's on the human level, but it's filled with how great and how mighty and how powerful God really is in your situation. Before the word of the Lord came, the people of Judah were focusing on the army that was facing them. They were focused on the problem. They were focused on how bad things were. But when Jehoshaphat began to pray, the focus began to change. The real proof that the focus of the people of God had changed was when it was time to do battle. And here's how we know it. 
we know it because they obeyed the word of the Lord and they obeyed what Jehoshaphat wanted them to do, and that is send the singers out first. Send those who could praise the Lord. Send them out into the battle first. And when they went out into the battle first, brothers and sisters, you need to know that there was sincere praise that was coming from their heart. None of those singers could do anything to fight the enemy. The only thing they could do was glorify God. It defies human logic that you would praise God in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of your problem. It defies what everybody's telling you to do. Why don't you complain why don't you get bitter why don't you call somebody why don't you get some help why don't you do all of those things I'm here to let you know there's only one person you need to call and it is call upon the name of the Lord whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved there isn't anybody who can help you nobody the only one who can do it is Jesus. And it's time that we begin to learn that we got to praise Him from the bottom of our hearts and say, God, there isn't anybody who can help me but You. Whom have I in heaven but You? Listen to what the Bible says happened. Let me just read it. Verses 20 to 22. 2 Chronicles 20. And we're going to move on after that. The Bible says early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa as they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead uh, at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had, uh, were invading Judah, and they were defeated. When the focus, folks, is changed, you realize that God really is in control of your situation. He's the one who's merciful and will give you the power that you need to overcome. Now turn over in your Bibles one last place into the book of Acts. Into the book of Acts. And this is where we see the importance of spontaneous praise. Spontaneous praise. The Bible says this, Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 28. Now, we don't have a battle being fought here, but we have the Apostle Paul and his friend Silas, who was with him on a missions trip, being thrown into a Philippian jail. These guys are thrown into a Philippian jail. Now we think of jail today and, you know, the kind of jails we have today aren't like the jails they had then. You know, oh, with the TVs and, the, you know, kinds of whatever. No, no, no. This was, this was jail. This was... Paul and Silas were, were whipped and beaten. And then they were put in stocks. I think we've seen pictures of them from history and what they might have been put in. But these stocks, you had to put your hands and your ankles in. You're sitting on this bench. and You put your hands and your ankles in. 
and then they lock the thing down, and you can't get out. It's worse than having chains. It's worse than being cuffed. It's, it's just the ultimate. You can't get comfortable. There's nothing you can do. Listen to what the Bible says that Paul and Silas began to do. The Bible says this in chapter 16, starting at verse 25, reading down through to verse 28, says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? They're in prison. They're in jail. Nobody in jail does that, especially in this Philippian jail. This was not your ordinary kind of jail. This was just, this was just a horrible, dark, damp dungeon. The Bible says... About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They weren't saying, I don't know if we should have preached that way today. You know, Paul, I'm not so sure about the wisdom of of standing there in the middle of town and, and preaching. Look where it got us. Really, Paul, you want to go on these missions trips? You know, I don't know, Silas, you know, he might have just sat there and said, I don't know. I don't know, you know, Paul, this is maybe not for me. No, none of that. The Bible says they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. (laughs) You you might wonder, well, you know, I get a little self-conscious when we come into the presence of the Lord and we have visitors and we have people who come in off the street and they don't know about the Lord and I get a little self-conscious. I don't want to praise. Why not? The Bible says here they were listening. They were hearing what was going on. These guys were praying, and they were singing. They were having church. They were right there. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he figured he was going to die anyway. If all the prisoners escape, it was on his head. He was going to have to die. He said, let me just get the thing started. Kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now, let me just give you the setting for a minute of this spontaneous praise. Paul and Silas were in prison. They've been put in, they've been beaten, they've been put in stocks. They have had every right to complain and be bitter. They had every right to sit there and say, "Man, this shouldn't be happening. Lord, I'm a Christian. This shouldn't be happening to Christians. It shouldn't be happening to me because God, you know I love you. You know I'm serving you, Lord." You know, God, I've given years of my life, Lord, to go on these missions trips. And God, I've preached the gospel. I preached it in Ephesus, and I preached it in in Galatia, and I preached it all over that part of the world, Lord. You know I did. And dear God, this shouldn't be happening. No. They had every right to do that, but they didn't. Instead, they got together and said, well, let's do what we know best to do. Let's pray. And let's sing. I don't know, I, I wonder what kind of voices they had, you know? Was the kind of voices where you just, you know, you think a duck would sound better? One of those kind of voices where you just, you know, it's, please, you know, don't sing. I don't know, but the Bible says that they prayed and they sang 
to the Lord in their difficult circumstance, they found it within themselves to simply begin to praise the Lord. Whatever you're going through today, whatever your problem, whatever your hard time is today, I need to encourage you. You might feel as though life has just given you reason to complain and to be bitter and all of those things. Can I tell you that if you begin to pray and if you begin to praise in a spontaneous fashion, God can bring an earthquake in your life and begin to shake the chains of your heart and your life and whatever it is is that's holding you back and give you a reason to live and a reason for your future. Don't sit there and complain. Don't sit there and be bitter and don't say to yourself, you know what, this shouldn't be happening. You know what, just begin to pray. Begin to call upon the Lord. Begin to praise Him and find that God is right there in the middle of your situation. The setting of their spontaneous praise. You might find yourself in a similar situation. I'm locked in. I can't get out. But you know what? You can get out if you begin to pray and you begin to magnify the Lord. You begin to praise Him in the middle of your situation. God can do stuff that you can't do. God can knock on your door and change your life in an instant if you'll open it up to Him. If you will allow Him a chance in your life. These guys already knew the Lord and they allowed Him to come into their situation. Paul didn't know an earthquake was going to happen. He didn't know that the chains and the stocks were going to fall off Him. He didn't know that all the prison doors were going to open. He had no idea. He didn't know the end result. God had at least clued the people of Israel in at the, the battle of Jericho. He had no such insight into this situation. All he did was, he said, you know what? Let's praise him. It was spontaneous. It happened in a time where people, folks, just don't praise in the middle of a Philippian jail. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas began to do. They began to praise the name of the Lord. They began to lift him up. And in that moment, there was something that began to happen. The earth began to tremble. It began to quake. And God showed up in that situation and changed lives. Now, here is the success of their praise. One, he made the chains fall off. Now today, you might not be chained physically, but spiritually you might be chained. Maybe there's something going on in your life that is, has created a situation where you feel bound. You feel like you have no answer. Can I encourage you today that praise is so simple, and yet it's, it's the one thing the enemy really gets afraid of. He gets afraid when pe the people of God begin to pray and they begin to praise. He gets scared when that begins to happen because he knows that, that things, bad things to his kingdom can happen. And good things can begin to happen for the people of God. The chains fell off. It opened the prison doors. All of a sudden, all these prisoners are looking around. They say, man, my door's open. And yet, none of them escaped. None of them left. They all stayed. In fact, Paul sat there and, and, and told the jailer who was about ready to take his own life, said, don't do it. We are all here. Nobody left. We're where we're supposed to be. But here's the amazing thing that happened as a result of their praise. It led to their freedom, their just freedom. It led to what they were supposed to receive, and that was justice because the jailer came in and he said, come on, guys, you know what? Enough of this nonsense. You shouldn't be here. Let's go. 
Let's get out of here. And the Bible lets us know that, that he took, the jailer took Paul and Silas to his own home and tended their wounds from the beating. He tended their wounds, and at the same time, the Bible lets us know that Paul delivered the message of the gospel to this jailer's household, and the entire household got saved. All because, all because, these two guys decided, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their impossibility, in the midst of what is unfair, they were going to pray. They were going to call upon the name of the Lord, and that's exactly what happened. God gave success to their praise. You see, praise helps to remind us of all God has done for us. You don't need to turn in your Bibles, but I want to close with this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, it says this, When you have eaten and are satisfied... Praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. This is Moses talking to that next generation of the people of Israel who are actually going to go in and they're going to take possession of the land. He says, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees, that I am giving you this day. He said, when you get in there and you're satisfied and God's done good things for you, then be reminded of all that He has done and praise Him for it. Praise Him for it. Praise Him for it. How does praise win the battle? It wins the battle because God sees in our praise the signs of real praise. That obedience. That oneness. That unity. It wins the battle because God sees sincere praise that takes Him at His word. Lord, we believe that what You have said to do is right, and so we're going to obey it, and we're going to praise You for it. And it helps to win the battle because He sees spontaneous praise that puts Him above pain, that puts Him above your anxiety, that puts Him above your circumstances, that puts Him above everything that you're feeling and going through. That kind of praise, brothers and sisters, wins the battle. But that kind of praise can only happen when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, well, I'm going to praise God, but you don't know God. The Bible says about the people of Israel at one point, and Jesus quoted the Scripture in the New Testament as He was confronted by the Pharisees and the religious leaders who wanted nothing to do with Him. He says, as the prophet Isaiah said, these people honor Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from Me. You see, you can walk into a building and you can see everybody around you praising, lifting their hands. You can do the same thing and you can mimic exactly what everybody else is doing and it's not going to change anything in your life. Because praise is based on a relationship with Jesus. It is based on knowing Him and trusting in Him, trusting what it is that He did on the cross for your salvation. And when you come to the place of realizing I need Jesus Christ in my life, then i got to tell you, praise can change everything. It can change so much of what's happening in your heart and your life. I want every head bowed, every eye closed.